Well, just a few short weeks ago, all we could talk about was flooding and Brexit. Well, coronavirus is pretty much the only item in the news at the moment. And as we know, it's taking its toll on every aspect of life in the country. And the farming community is clearly no exception. The knock-on effects on business, finances and mental health are as significant in the agricultural community as anywhere else. We're joined today by the Country Landowners Association and the Tenant Farmers Association. Do they have the same problems? What help is sought and what's available? We'll get the latest on potatoes with Colin Jackson of PJP Potatoes in a moment. The markets and prices from Kit Dickinson of Openfield and Sean Sparling's here with his usual sound agronomy advice. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, hope you're staying safe and coping as well as you can. Busy times, now the weather's improved. I'm Steve Orchard. The farming headlines, first Brexit and now coronavirus. We could be heading for a huge labour shortage this spring and summer. British workers are being urged to make up the shortfall, which could be as high as 60,000. Charity Concordia, in partnership with Fruitful and Hops, has a programme called Feed the Nation. And we'll be speaking to its CEO, Stephanie Morell, on next week's programme. But for now, if you'd like to know more, full details are on concordia.org.uk slash feed hyphen the hyphen nation. The last few days have seen the cancellation of this summer Suffolk, Great Yorkshire, Newark and Lincolnshire shows and others as well. Sad, but uh, not surprising in the circumstances. There is, however, an alternative plan and we'll have full details on next week's farming programme. The UK pig herd is at its largest for 16 years, as numbers increased by 2% over last year to 4.7 million. A cooperative has announced it will link up with an online company to support those who are not able to attend markets. Sell My Livestock is the UK's largest online marketplace for beef and sheep, with almost 50,000 UK farmers registered to trade. And vet practices will remain open for emergency cover. They are considered essential services under the new legislation. Now, as last week, I'll offer an apology for the sound quality on some of today's features. We're back to the phones to carry out some interviews. If you miss anything, don't forget you can listen again after the programme via the website or the app. Let's first welcome Colin Jackson of PJP Potatoes for an update. Morning, Colin. How are you coping at the moment, then? Yeah, morning, Steve. Um, <laughs> very strange times, aren't they? Um you know, difficult to know, you know, how to react. Um, at the moment, we have a food service company as well as the potato company, so we are still operating, you know, on a, on a sort of restricted level, delivering foods around. Um, but uh, as far as the potatoes side of things goes, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of, it's amazing how it's changed the sectors that are now busy. Um, obviously, the packing sector for supermarkets has been very, very busy, but also the traditional sack of spuds that people used to put in the garage, you know, and have 25 kilos of spuds in the garage and, and eat off that. has We've seen quite a, a resurgence in, in that kind of business now as well. So you're still able to supply okay, are you? Yes, yes. I mean, as far as on the potato side, everything is very much phone-based that we do. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, supplies are still uh, still going out. Um, the biggest majority of potatoes are coming out of store. But obviously now also that the weather is improving, there is a little bit of fresh-lifted overwintered uh, crop, which is coming out of the ground now. Um, the other thing that's restricting things slightly also is, of course, you know, an awful lot of land work going on and people really 
not wanting to grade potatoes at the moment because it, you know it's a it's a race against time to get all the uh, all the spring land work done. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I was in the supermarket yesterday, and there certainly seemed plenty on the shelves. Yes, yeah, very interesting. I think we we sort of had the mad rush of the you know let's call them panic buyers, um, and now we are getting to the point. And I think a lot of people now obviously are staying indoors as well and relying on home deliveries as well. Um, but uh, but certainly the um, the real rush that we saw over the last sort of fortnight um, has definitely abated a bit now, and presumably people have got the spuds in the cupboards and everything else and uh, now need to a lot of people will need to learn how to uh, actually cook um, fresh produce I think <laughs> yeah if not rely just on the bag of chips uh, and so on but exactly. yeah. you talked about the weather uh, Colin that's certainly picked up over the last few days is that helping uh, your business and the, getting the crop out the ground yes yes definitely um, yeah real step change obviously you know we haven't seen any any real amounts of rain for a little while but also obviously things are starting to grow and so naturally draw water out of the out of the ground as well so um things are, are really starting to dry up and uh, and a lot of the crop that has overwintered has actually overwintered pretty well i mean there's always wastage levels because you know the uh, the potatoes that were very much at the bottom that sat in water obviously will have rotted away and anything that that would have been right at the top may well have caught a frost and again rotted away but you tend to find that the the spuds that were in the middle of the box were uh, are actually coming out in pretty decent order, and um, and yeah, you know there is quite a bit of stuff now coming out of the ground, uh, and is suitable for sale. The last time we spoke, we kind of finished off by saying it would be nice to have a couple of weeks of dry weather. We finally seem to have got it, don't we, at last? Yeah, that's right, that's right, and hopefully for the foreseeable future. I mean, you know, <laughs> you can almost imagine that we're going to see a dry time now all the way through to July and August, and um, you know, and we'll be crying out for rain again. But uh, let's hope it's not like that. But uh, it, it is at least allowing people to to get on and and obviously plant the the new season spuds as well you know the very first earlies are going in the ground now quite nicely and uh polycrovered crops so um so hopefully uh, we won't be too delayed on on the new season crop do you think prices are likely to be affected uh, it's always the concern uh, of the end user with coronavirus and uh, and so on do you think uh, that's going to affect the the prices in the chip shops yeah i mean we have seen very best qualities going up in price um you know as people have been searching for good quality um there's certainly more potatoes becoming available because they're coming out of the ground um so there is that as well on the flip side so what we've seen over the last and and really this was happening before the uh, the virus really hit is that we've seen the trade almost split into two so you've got sort of ordinary and, and the, the lower end qualities of potatoes really still selling at that sort of lower level of, of really sort of 150 to 200 pounds but the uh, the better qualities really sort of stretching out above 300 um, even one or two people sort of knocking on the door for 400 pounds for the very very best quality um, which are still only levels which are um, if anything, still a little bit less than sort of a year or so ago. Um, so, um, you know, it's not, uh, it's not exceptionally high levels, but they are obviously relatively. Colin Jackson from PJP Potatoes, many thanks. Time for agronomy. Morning to Sean Sparling. At least the weather's doing us some favours then, Sean. 
Yes, good morning to you, Steve. You know, I was beginning to wonder whether we were ever going to see sunshine and dry weather and dust flying behind tractors and drills in fields ever again in my lifetime. Absolutely wonderful. 16, 17 degrees, a real change in the weather. Of course, back to normal now. We're back to British summertime's begun. The clocks have gone forward, so therefore temperatures are back to where they should have been at Christmas. Marvellous. Typical British weather. Good old British weather. We're learning to live with it a bit, aren't we? Um, now, out there in the field, the clods, you know, it's quite deceptive. The clods rock hard on top you hurt your feet walking on them but you pick them off the field and you can pick the plasticine out from the other side of some of these clods so i'm going to come on to this in a minute just be a bit wary and choose your fields for rolling because you don't want to force the seed more into that plasticine have it come hot and baked like let's face it it could do now we're in british summertime it could come hot and dry if that bakes like concrete and you force the seed into a layer of plasticine it's going to struggle to get through the ground now similarly when you get this diurnal range when you get this 20 degree range between a 17 degree day and a minus two night and you start to see issues we're starting to see the backward crops of all seed rate which we're starting to throw out a few buds those buds have been absolutely hammered by these frosts and indeed even in the forward bits of rate the the buds are taking a bit of a hammering from these late frosts but the forward bits will recover 60 percent of all the buds a rate crop produces never turn into pods so there's plenty of scope to get over these frosts in the forward bits the backward crops won't be quite so happy so if you're still having to squint to make sure you can see them in rows in an all-seed rate field that's been hammered by cabbage stem flea beetle rape winter stem weevil pigeons or whatever reason then you really have to question at the beginning of april whether it's worth persevering with those crops it's around 12 weeks from full flower to harvest so a lot of these backward crops aren't going to flower for another five or six weeks that takes you well into may are they going to give you any money back at the end of it? It may be worth to leave it as a failed crop of all seed rate or to rave it out and put something in else in. Now, it matters if you're going to pull it up what you've already done. Because if you put propizomide on, you can put peas or beans in to that seed bed. You have to plough it, but you'd have to put peas or beans in after 10 weeks from application of provisamide. If you're putting a cereal crop in, you've got to plough it, but you've got to wait 30 weeks before you put a cereal crop in the ground. If you've used AstroCurb, which has aminopyrrolid in it, you can only put a cereal crop in it. So for goodness sake, speak to your agronomist, speak to the manufacturers, make sure that if you're going to put a second crop in, which is a big expense, that that crop is going to actually grow and the propizomide or the aminopyrrolid or the combination of both isn't going to account for it and ruin it before it gets anywhere. So let's put a bit more detail on it then. Spring wheat, spring barley, spring beans, peas going in the ground now. The most important thing, particularly if you're putting pre-emergence herbicides on any of these crops, is depth of seed and the fact that you cover that seed. So in a spring cereal crop, you need 40 mil deep and well covered over the top before you start putting things like flufenacet, pendimethalin, prosulfocarb and triolate granules on the top. Now, if you've got black grass issues in these fields, you need to make sure the quality of the seed bed is good enough to put triolate granules on because it goes through a period of sublimation it's a granule to a gas it goes solid to gas without moving through a liquid phase so unless the seedbed you've produced is capable of holding that gas you're possibly wasting your money putting it on in the first place remember that you need 40 mil depth of seed and well covered um, rolling just be careful about that as i've said before you don't want to force it down there's plenty of time to roll afterwards but if you're putting pre-em herbicides on make sure that you're leaving sufficient intervals as per the label before you go back and roll after you've applied them. Also remember that 
if you have black grass as the prime target for that pre-em, you're probably better with avidex granules because it's a full dose rather than using a half dose, which is what 0.3 of Liberator or 2 litres of Crystal is in terms of Flufenacet, which is really only at that dose a Medigrass wild oak type rate. Um, Winter wheat, winter barley, bring, bring your nitrogen levels up to about 100 kilos of nitrogen applied. Normally at this time of year, we would have expected to have put about 70 kilos of N on, but that would be based upon the fact that we've got between 45 and 60 kilos of available nitrogen sitting in the soil to help us as it mineralizes and releases. This year, because of the weather we've had since September, it's unlikely still to be there. It will have moved down, leached through the profile. You need to account for that shortfall. Also, T0, do you need to put a T0 fungicide on? a big heavy mix of triazoles and everything else. If you've got deficiencies in the field of manganese, magnesium, nitrogen, sulfur, phosphate, potash, zinc, molybdenum, copper, zinc, anything else, you need to correct those deficiencies now. Correct them before you start thinking about putting caustic mixes of fungicides and particularly herbicides and fertilizers, particularly liquid fertilizers onto those fields. So deal with that now. If you're going to go and roll as well in these conditions, prioritise the most forward crops. They're less likely to be damaged by you rolling and then getting a frost. The backward crops, for goodness sake, be very, very careful. That combination of rolling and then frosts and then a high day temperature, you could cause significant crop scorch and crop damage out there. It should recover, but there is a propensity for high levels of damage. So just be very, very careful out there in the field and leave five to seven days either side of rolling before you put any fertilisers or herbicides or anything else on. Sugar beet going in the ground well in places, Pre-emergencies help your weed control program throughout the season. Don't worry about it being dry on the top because they activate in the wet. They're residuals. That's what they do. So put ethafumosate in if you've got cleaver problems and blackgrass problems in particular. Metamitron helps for pansies and not grass. Uh, Chloridazon, very good on ivy leaf speed, well of which there seems to be an awful lot this spring. Linseed. Remember, the later you drill it, the later you cut it. And with no diquat anymore, harvest has always been an issue and a problem with linseed. So just be make, make sure if you put it in the ground that you going to be able to harvest it so hopefully the next seven days bring more cultivation weather more drilling weather so please stay happy stay safe and keep farming sean sparling sparling agronomy services thanks as always so how do the problems of landowners and tenants differ in these uncertain times are there problems any different what help are their trade bodies the cla and the tfa able to give and what are they doing to improve the lives of their members I'll talk with Kath Crowther from the CLA and George Dunn, Chief Exec of the Tenant Farmers Association, next. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. George Dunn, Chief Exec of the Tenant Farmers Association, welcome to the Farming Programme. Not an easy time for your members. So, yeah, we are in uh, that overused phrase at the moment, unprecedented times, and we've got to appreciate that this is a situation which is affecting everybody, every sector of society, every walk of life. But obviously, within the Tenant Farmers Association, we are here to look after the needs and concerns of our members, and we have been working hard over the past uh, few days to make sure that our members have access access to the information information and advice that they need at this crucial time. Um, We have got some uh, unique issues in the landlord-tenant sector within agriculture, including uh, rental payments, issues around notices to quit, people taking up new opportunities that they were expecting to go into just recently. Uh, And uh, happily, to date, we have had pretty productive 
conversations with individual landlords who have been willing to be flexible on all of those things. Um, and we are talking to our colleagues at the uh, CLA, the Country Land and Business Association, uh, to try and get a bit of a joint approach uh, on this going forward. Um, so we're, we're just asking for everybody to be as reasonable as they possibly can be in the circumstances. Uh, and I think to date we have seen some of that being uh, put into practice. Specifically, what kind of things are you looking for? Rent holidays, that kind of thing? Well, I don't think we can be looking at across-the-board solutions here. I think it's got to have to be really bespoke. So we've got a lot of members who have been involved in food service uh, supply chains, and clearly the food service sector has disappeared overnight. And uh, whilst their processes and purchases try and find new routes to retail, they may need some time before they get some income back into their businesses. So may, they may need just a, a deferral. Other people who have been involved in diversified activities and uh, off-farm work where that has completely disappeared and maybe won't come back for a very long time may need to have uh, uh, rent abatements, so rent, uh, rent uh, stops on, on those forms. Uh, but obviously we're saying to those members that continue to have an income stream, if you can continue to pay your rent, you, you must continue to do so. But the, we're looking for very bespoke, very uh, uh, focused solutions in individual circumstances. It's not just the, the practical help, it's the emotional, the mental health situation. This is taking quite a toll on your members, just the same as everybody else, isn't it? Indeed, and as I said, you know, at the beginning, this is affecting everybody, um, and uh, uh, one of the major things that we are doing as an organization is ensuring that we are focusing as well on the pastoral care of our members, their mental health and well-being, uh, and I've got a great uh, uh, executive committee made up of, of volunteer members from around the country who uh, are taking a lot of the strain on that point. So people just want some reassurance, want a shoulder to cry on, want to vent their frustrations. We completely understand that, and they must have opportunities to do that in the current circumstances. And, and we, our staff here and our executive committee members, are, are, are playing that role for for our members. And uh, you know, we, it's really important as a society that we provide that support. What about the, the government? Are you looking for any specific areas of help from the government? Uh, yes, we, we obviously are in constant contact with the, the government. I had a telephone conversation with the farming minister uh, earlier this week uh, where we were talking about some issues. The government has been very helpful on thinking through some of the, the landlord-tenant uh, implications, but the one huge thing that we think that the government needs to get its head, head around here is how we massively change the uh, food service supply chain to switch it into retail. There's clearly the demand within retail for, for food now that the food service sector has, has disappeared overnight. But there seems to be a difficulty in getting that switch. So we, we're talking to members who are involved in those supply chains who say that they are simply unable to get any traction with their processes uh, in terms of moving stuff to, uh, to to retail. So we think the government's got a massive role to play there to see what, what it can do to try and uh, broker those those discussions. So is there effectively a gap 
in uh, the situation at the moment whereby uh, food is being produced but it can't get to the retailers. Yeah, so I, I heard a bizarre story uh, on a conference call yesterday. I mean, obviously, the catering sector uses a lot of steaks on a on a daily, weekly basis. And I was hearing that there are a lot of steaks in the uh, supply chain which aren't going anywhere. But the retailers, the purchasers on the retailers' side are saying all they want is mints because that's what people want to buy. Now, I've seen, as I'm sure many of your listeners have, seen empty meat shelves in supermarkets all over the place. And I'm sure that there is the demand out there for people to buy steak and other cuts of meat. Um, so the retailers just need to be thinking a little bit outside the box here and not using their standard purchasing performers that might do in normal circumstances, but in the current climate, you know, getting any uh, fresh produce and and meat onto supermarket shelves must be the right thing. Moving from the tenant to the landowner, Kath Crowther from the CLA, thanks for joining us. How are your members affected? So our members are being affected in a range of ways. A lot of our members have diversified businesses. So the leisure and tourism businesses have had lots of cancellations over the last few weeks and have now had to close. Um, so worrying times in terms of cash flow, workforce, that sort of thing. Fortunately, the good weather does mean that farmers are able to finally get on with field work after what's been a terrible winter. My, my dad is happier at the moment than I've heard him for, for months because he's finally able to get into a tractor and do some work. Um, but we do have staff shortages and this year's harvest could be impacted by travel restrictions and illnesses, which are expected to leave a shortage of up to 80,000 agricultural workers. Is there anything you can do about that? We are working with government and trying to see how we can get around the 80% of wages being covered um, stopping people who might have otherwise been unemployed, um, who but who could come and help during this difficult time. And what's the CLA doing to help its members? I'm sure you're doing plenty. So we're having a huge number of calls and emails from members who are affected in a range of ways. We're helping those on specific issues. We're updating our website daily and we will have frequently asked questions up there soon with some more practical advice. Um, we are lobbying government, and we want to encourage members to get in contact with us to let us know how their businesses are coping, to make sure that we are lobbying on everything that we need to, whether that's flexibility of deadlines, how the schemes that have been introduced are working um, and how they need to be adapted. Everything is obviously changing daily um, and we're in constant contact with DEFRA and other government agencies to make sure that we are um, raising the issues that the industry is going through. Because many members, I guess, over the years, because of the, uh, the difficulties in many respects in the, the, the uh, pure farming agricultural industry, have diversified away from that. Is that to their disadvantage at the moment? 
in in some industries you, you could say so but hopefully they will be in good stead again um later in the year when hopefully things can go back to some sort of normality we've also seen a lot of members adapting so those who've had to close cafes some of them are now offering home delivery to those most in need or even deliveries to NHS staff in hospital. We've got members who normally provide produce to restaurants um, and they're trying to find other ways of um, going directly to the consumer or other outlets rather than to the restaurants and other people who are currently closed. Yeah, it is about trying to use a little bit of uh, initiative and uh, think outside the old proverbial box as to where you might go in a slightly different direction to keep things going, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Where, for, for a CLA member, Kath, what's the best way of getting this advice from you? How, how's best to contact you? Do have a look at the information that's on our website, but please contact the regional office We've got all the regional advisors working um, to help members um, and like I said, that's important so that we can help on specific issues but also um, it can inform our lobbying work. And on the subject of lobbying, tell me what you've been up to in respect of direct payments. So we have been lobbying for a, a delay in the reduction of direct payments for a long time but this is now even more important given the Agriculture Bill and Environment Bill are currently on hold. So we're very much pushing that direct payments cannot be reduced from 2021 given the current situation. And what's been the government's response to that? They seem to be open um, to flexibility and understand that it's a difficult time for all businesses at the moment. They seem to be open to flexibility on lots of deadlines, um, so we're, we're hoping for a response sooner rather than later. Thanks to Cass and to George. Kit Dickinson from Openfield now with our weekly look at the markets. Morning, Kit. Well, good morning, Steve. I said at the end of last week I could be stood here in a week's time giving a completely different outlook, and the outlook is different. With the UK being isolated and the coronavirus taking its toll, we are entering uncharted territory, and most of us would never have thought this would happen. So how has this affected the agricultural markets? As you all know, the wheat price fluctuates with currency. The recent rises and indeed falls we have seen at the end of last week and throughout this week have been down to the changing currency, and this has been brought around by COVID-19. This has affected both old and new crop values. New crop rallies on concerns with production, but the limiting factor on the new UK wheat is still likely to be the alternative. How cheap can the domestic mill buy imported maize? Or how cheap can they buy imported wheat? Wednesday morning saw the pound firming and London trading two pounds lower. The afternoon saw the exact opposite. The pound retreated to where it had begun post 3 p.m. and the U.S. market rallied. We followed and finished two pounds 20 up on May 2020 and two pounds 50 up on November 2020. U.S. markets rallied on wheat nearly 3% up as funds tried to position themselves and effectively buy. Maize was slower to react, but it did finish in positive numbers in the end. I think it is worth looking at the U.S. quickly. The U.S. is now so expensive, nobody wants to buy it, unless you have no other option. I would almost look at the calculation to see how far EU wheat is prepared to travel, i.e. going to the U.S. Again, it's unlikely, 
it's for complete elastic demand. And the East Coast, because of the U.S. corn is so cheap, they should eat as much of this as possible. If I said to you that cornflakes were 63 pounds and 63.7 pence per tonne, cheaper than Weetabix, what would you be taking off the shelf? This has been the story all week, and it looks like this will continue as long as the coronavirus is here. The horsey rope trade is very quiet, with buyers and sellers wide apart. Sterling volatility and a lack of market liquidity has made trading very difficult. New crop is for buyers, and understandably, no sellers with the UK. And we are about to enter another year with an even tighter UK S&D. Spring barley, we are drilling now, and the thoughts need to be about barley in the coming weeks. Although this is mostly malting barley, demand is slowing. Two maltsters have cash settled on some old crop contracts this week. They just don't want it. Demand is simply lower. Two maltsters in Scotland have been temporarily shut. And yesterday, free on board malting barley on new crop was bid just £3 over the feed prices. UK maltsters are simply not bidding. If the malting barley crop turns out to be as big as we fear, then this will be the story for 20 crop marketing year. So moving on to prices this week, for feed wheat for March, we have 156 to 158. May, 159 to 161. November, 170 to 172. And May, 21, 176 to 178. Old crop milling premiums are currently £25. Oil seed rate for March is 300 to 302. For May, 307 to 309. And November new crop, 310 to 312. Feed barley for March, 116 to 128. For May, 130 to 132. And for November, 134 to 136. Malting barley premiums for old crop are circa six pounds. Kit, thank you. Kit Dickinson from Openfield back with another market update next week on the Farming Programme. The Farming Programme, five-day forecast. Let's have a look at the weather for the week. The clocks went forward this morning. Hope you remembered. Uh, we're now in British summertime, but it doesn't really feel that much like summer. Cloudy but dry for much of today. Temperatures down significantly on the end of last week. Sixes and sevens the best this afternoon. A bit more like January. Add in a strong northerly wind and it'll feel much colder than it has been. The high pressure continues, but it's easing gradually through the first half of the week. The wind fades away from Monday too, but it stays northerly and therefore expect a chilly start to the week with Monday's high around 7 or 8 Celsius. Tuesday, the wind stays northerly, speeds around 10 miles per hour and highs of 8 or 9 degrees. And from midweek, the wind moves around from the west, picking up a little on Thursday and Friday. A little bit warmer on Thursday, but still struggling to get into double figures. Looks like a mostly dry week, just the odd shower or two. Next week, we'll find out about a potential replacement for the many country and farming shows which have fallen victim to coronavirus. And we'll speak to a charity desperately trying to fill the huge gap in the seasonal agricultural workforce. Have a good farming week. Do get in touch if you've a story to share. I'm Steve Orchard. You can contact me through the website or the app. And remember, you can listen to the farming programme anytime the same way or from wherever you get your podcasts.